Welcome to the podcast of Redeemer Baptist Church of Panama. We hope that you enjoy the sermons and other audio provided by us. Feel free to share what you find here, and we hope that it will be beneficial to you as you seek to know and follow Christ. If you would turn with me in your Bibles to uh, Genesis chapter 32, uh, there's several Bibles under the under the seats. Uh, either a hymnal or a Bible. So if you don't have one with you, uh, may, uh, look under one of the seats and maybe you'll find one. But we're in Genesis chapter 32. We've been looking at the life of Jacob. Um, and we have seen that Jacob has been a scoundrel. Jacob uh, has uh, lived up to his name. He uh, was born grabbing the heel of his brother Esau and uh, uh, it was called supplanter, Jacob. Uh, he was called trickster because he, of the way he was born. And we saw how he had uh, cheated his brother out of his birthright. He had lied to his father and gotten the blessing. And he had gone in to, uh, to live with, um, uh, among Laban, his, his, uh, his uncle, and um, and was even then he was tricked by him. Uh, he was tricked because he he worked for seven years so that he could marry his, the daughter Rachel, and then uh, ends up uh, after that he he marries Leah. So he gets tricked too. Um, and you know all of this life of Jacob, we see he is he's a bit of a scoundrel, and yet. He is the one who is the, the one who would receive the blessing of Abraham. Uh, as he left, um, as he left Canaan to go to Haran, where Laban was, he, he crossed uh, the desert in, in, over to where Haran was. And when he was on his way, he, he fell asleep. He had this dream of, of, uh, of angels ascending and descending. And God promised him whenever he, he met him on the way out of the promised land, he told him, your, your descendants are going to be as many as the stars of the sea. He's going to have the land that's there. God was going to bless him in spite of his being a scoundrel. I mean, one of the greatest things we see in the life of Jacob is the fact, is the biblical doctrine of justification by faith and not by works. Because Jacob was not one who worked. In fact, at this point in his life, he's not been very faithful. But we see in the chapter we're about to look at, there's a turning point. There's a turning point in this chapter. As he's on his way back to the promised land, he's on his way to meet his brother who before, the last time he'd seen him, his brother wanted to kill him. He's on his way back. He had left that land with only his staff and he's coming back with 11 kids, two wives, all kinds of property that God has blessed him with. But he's still afraid of his brother. Let's go ahead and look at our text, beginning in verse 1 of chapter 32. This is a shorter text. Uh, last week we had one that was 56 verses, 55 verses long. And this week we only have 32. So 
quite a bit shorter. Jacob went on his way, and the angels of God met him. And when Jacob saw them, he said, this is God's camp. So he called the name of the place Mahanaim. Jacob sent messengers before him to Esau, his brother, in the land of Seir, the country of Edom, instructing them, thus you shall say to my lord Esau, thus says your servant Jacob, I have sojourned with Laban and stayed until now. I have oxen, donkeys, flocks, male servants and female servants. I have sent to tell my Lord in order that I may find favor in your sight. And the messengers returned to Jacob saying, we came to your brother Esau and he is coming to meet you. And there are 400 men with him. Then Jacob was greatly afraid and distressed. He divided the people who were with him and the flocks and herds and camels into two camps, thinking if Esau comes to one of the camp and attacks it, then the camp that is left will escape. Jacob said, O God of my father Abraham and God of my father Isaac, O Lord, who said to me, return to your country and to your kindred, that I may do good to you. I am not worthy of the least of all the deeds of steadfast love and of the faithfulness that you have shown your servant. For with only my staff, I crossed this Jordan and now I have become two camps. Please deliver me from the hand of my brother and from the hand of Esau, for I fear him that he may come and attack me. The mothers with their children, and the mothers with their children. But you said, I will surely do you good and make your offspring as the sand of the sea, which cannot be numbered for multitude. So he stayed there that night, and from what he had with him, he took a present for his brother Esau 200 female goats and 20 male goats, 200 ewes, and 20 rams, 30 milking camels and their calves, 40 cows and 10 bulls, 20 female donkeys and 10 male donkeys. These he handed over to his servants, every drove by itself, and said to his servants, pass on ahead of me, but put space between drove and drove. He instructed the first, when Esau, my brother, meets you and asks you, to whom do these belong? Where are you going? And whose are these ahead of you? Then you shall say, they belong to your servant Jacob. They are present sent to my Lord Esau. And moreover, he is behind us. He likewise instructed the second and the third and all who followed the droves. You shall say the same thing to Esau when you find him. And you shall say, moreover, your servant Jacob is behind us. For he thought, I may appease him with the present that goes ahead of me. And afterward, I shall see his face. Perhaps he will accept me. So the present passed on ahead of him, and he himself stayed that night in the camp. The same night he arose and took his two wives, 
his two female servants, and his eleven children, and crossed the ford of the Jabbok. He took them and sent them across the stream and everything else that he had. And Jacob was left alone. And a man wrestled with him until the breaking of the day. And when that man saw that he did not prevail against Jacob, he touched his hip socket. And Jacob's hip was put out of joint as he wrestled with him. And he said, Let me go, for the day has broken. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. And he said to him, What is your name? And he said, Jacob. Then he said, Your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel. For you have striven with God and with men and have prevailed. Then Jacob asked him, Please tell me your name. But he said, Why is it you've asked me my name? There he blessed him. So Jacob called the name of the place Peniel, saying, For I have seen God face to face, and yet my life has been delivered. The sun rose upon him as he passed Penuel, limping because of his hip. Therefore, to this day, people of Israel do not eat the sinew of the thigh that is on, his hip, on the hip socket, because he touched the socket of Jacob's hip on the sinew of the thigh. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. Your word is a lamp unto our feet and light unto our path. Your word is a sword, a knife to do spiritual surgery on our souls. Lord, we pray that you would use this, your word, to change us, to to make us more into the image of Jesus Christ. Give us eyes to see and ears to hear and hearts to obey. Lord, give me strength and grace. I need your grace as I preach your word in Jesus' name. Amen. As Jacob is coming back to the promised land, he runs into these two angels that we see in the couple of, in the first verses. He says, it says, Jacob went on his way and the angels of God met him. And when he saw him, he said, this is God's camp. Um, we've seen this before. You see, when, when he left on his way, on the journey away to Haran, he also saw angels. And we see the same thing as Moses, who wrote this down later, he was away from his people as he had gone back to the land and he saw God in a burning bush. We, we see these manifestations of God in the form of what appears to be a man, like what, when Abraham had the angel of the Lord come to him, And and Jacob sees these angels, and I think it ought to remind us of another thing. The promised land can be compared to the Garden of Eden. In the Garden of Eden, when, when Adam and Eve were kicked out of the garden, God placed cherubim guarding the garden. 
a, a cherubim with flaming swords. We see kind of the same thing whenever uh, uh, Joshua was getting ready to cross into the promised land and he was met there with a by an angel saying, whose side are you on? We see this very often in the Old Testament where there's this, this angelic being as he's crossing into the, uh, the, um, the promised land. What should be our reaction when we see an angel? And we're not talking about something like touched by an angel or highway to heaven. An angel of the Lord is more like what we see in Ezekiel or in Isaiah chapter 6 where the description is uh, above him I saw seraphim with each one had six wings with, with, with two he covered his eyes and with two he covered his, his face and with two he flew or his feet and then with two he flew. The, the angel of the Lord should be terrified. But Jacob didn't have that kind of response. Jacob, he was amazed and he said, this is God's camp. And he, he names the place Mahanaim, which means two camps. Two camps is... Um, it comes up again later because he divides all of his possessions into two camps later. The next thing we see is Jacob sends these messengers from himself to Esau to let him know, hey, I'm, I'm coming home. He wants to send messengers ahead. Now, the funny thing is, the word angel in the Hebrew is the same word as the word for messenger. Uh, He saw these angels and he's sending his own angels, his own messengers ahead to Esau to find out what's going to happen, uh, how how Esau is going to respond. Well, the messengers come back and they report. Now remember, the last time Jacob had seen Esau, Esau wanted to kill him. That's why he fled the land. And the messengers come back to Jacob and tell him, Esau's coming out to meet you and he's got 400 men with him. This is left ambiguous. We don't know what Esau's plan is. And, and neither does Jacob. He doesn't know what to expect. He thinks Esau is going to come out and kill me. We've also seen in the book of Genesis so far, another man who goes out with nearly 400 men to rescue Lot. Abraham went out and he defeated five kings with nearly that many men. So Jacob has maybe reason to be afraid that his brother wants to harm him. The problem is, Jacob's primary concern should be the fear of God. We don't see any frightening whenever he sees those angels. He hasn't learned yet to fear God. Instead, he's afraid of his brother.
Next thing we see. Jacob prays. No, that's a good thing. That's a good thing. And, and he has a fairly good prayer. Oh, God, God of my father, Abraham, God of Isaac, oh Lord, who said to me, return to your country and your kindred that I may do you good. Good. That's, that's a good prayer so far. He, he's, he's saying this is the God of Abraham. This, this is the true God. He's not trusting. He's not praying to any other, other uh, foreign deities. He's not praying to that idol that Rebecca hid, hid under her saddle. Anything like that. No, he's, he's praying to the true God. And he's, he's remind, reminding of himself of the promises that were made to him. The promise that God was going to bless him. He's basing his prayer on the promises of God. That's a good thing that he's praying so far. He says this other thing that's very, very good. I am not worthy of the least of all the deeds of steadfast love and of all the faithfulness that you have shown to your servant. For with only my staff, I crossed this Jordan, and now I have become two, two camps. He gives God the credit for all the blessing that he's had. He's given God the credit that he, I had nothing when I left, and I'm coming back, and I've got two camps, right? I've got all these people with me. All of the, these livestock with me. That's a good prayer so far. He's giving God the credit, and he says, I'm not worthy of this. It's, I'm not worth. Uh, that's very much like us. We could not do anything to deserve God's favor or God's blessing. We couldn't do anything to make ourselves children of God. Jesus did that at the cross. Jesus died for our sins. We didn't deserve it. We were rebels. We were sinners. We have in our own sinfulness, spit in God's face. And yet, God sent His Son to die in our place. We did not deserve that. And, and just as we are not deserving, Jacob is very right when he says, I didn't deserve what you've given me. God chose him. He blessed him. He didn't do anything to deserve it. And the same thing for us. We didn't do anything to deserve it. Next thing he says, please deliver me from the hand of my brother, from the hand of Esau, for I fear him that he may come and attack me, the mothers with their children. Now here, I think he's, he's on the right track, but he's, he's a little bit off. Because his greatest fear is not God. His greatest fear is not the God who is the judge of the universe. His greatest fear is not the fact that he has sinned against the holy God. His greatest fear is his brother. So here we see that he's, he's turning to God because things look bad. Not because God is God. He fears his brother and he asks, please deliver me from my brother. I don't want to get too far ahead of us, but the word deliverer, I've been delivered, happens later on in the text, and we'll see it again. He finally says, 
But you said, I will surely do you good and make your offspring as the sand of the sea, which cannot be numbered for the multitude. In spite of the fact that he has misplaced fear, he's fearing his brother instead of fearing God, he does have some right motives in his prayer. He reminds us, God's promise is sure. God promised me I'm going to have as many children and as many descendants as the stars of the sea, and I can bank on that whenever I pray. He's promised to do me good. We can pray like that. Verse 13. So he stayed there that night. And from what he took with him, a present for his brother Esau. Now, I'm not going to read through all the description of all the present that he left him. But the word present there is the same word that's usually translated offering. Jacob should be giving his offering to God. In fact, whenever he met God on the way down or over to Haran, he promised to give him a tenth. And we never read that he actually did that. Now he's here and he's giving all this great gift of property to his brother as an offering to appease him. Now that word appease is the same word that we see for the atonement. He's not thinking about the atonement that we need to have for our sins. He's thinking about atoning for the anger that his brother has against him. What is this offering? Think about this. 200 female goats. What do you think a a goat is worth today? About 100 bucks, maybe? 100 bucks? 200 of those? $20,000. If you add up all the things that he's in here, and I I didn't do this myself. A friend I had while I was in seminary, I I saw him post something about this, but... um, uh, he said, if you add up all those things, it comes to, in today's dollars, around $250,000. That was his gift to his brother. It's a pretty good gift. All that livestock that he sent, he sends this ahead, and, and he schemes, just like he's always been a schemer. He, 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 he puts all the livestock and everything as a gift ahead of him, thinking, you know, when, when, when uh, Esau comes, he's going to see that first group. And he's going to see that, that $20,000 worth of uh, goats. He's going to go, oh, man, Jacob's giving me a lot. And then he's going to see more and more and more. And he's going to win his brother over. And then he's got his wife and children all in the back, trying to keep them protected. He, he's... He's he's trying to manipulate the circumstances just like he always has. Then finally, we come to this last part. Crosses the river Jabbok. And when he says he crosses the Jabbok, that, that word that's used there for crossing over is the same word we use in Exodus for Passover. He crosses over the Jabbok and he ends up alone and he meets this man. A man who, by the end of it, we know is the angel of the Lord. Maybe a theophany, I don't know. 
a theophany, that being a, a physical manifestation of God Himself that He wrestles with. He wrestles all night long. You know what? The God of the universe, or even any angel, if you wrestle with them, you don't stand a chance. They've got you in seconds or less. But you know how God dealt with Jacob? He patiently, gently wore Jacob down. You know what? That's how God can deal with us. I don't know how it was like whenever you came to know the Lord. There are many who, who, who they may come, they hear the Gospel and it has no effect. And they come again and they hear the Gospel and it has no effect. And they keep coming and they hear the Gospel and they may hear the Gospel over a lifetime, over a lifetime, and no effect. But then eventually, over, after God has been patiently wearing a person down, maybe through circumstances where they are wrestling with God, God finally gets a hold of the person. Sometimes God uses our circumstances, the circumstances of our tribulations, of our difficulties, and He put, puts pressure on us until finally we give up and we turn to Jesus. And that's what we see as Jacob wrestles with the Lord. He wrestles with God all night long. And you know what? In the midst of this fight, Jacob gets his hip put out of socket. And he walks with a limp. When we have wrestled with the Lord, when we have, have uh, uh, wrestled against our sin, and, 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 and sometimes the limp is the evidence that we've been touched by God. If we've been truly touched by God, maybe we walk with a limp. Maybe you walk with a limp. And I can think of ways in my own life where I walk with a limp. Maybe nobody sees it on the outside. It's only between us and God. But if God has touched us, He's broken us so that He can use us. And finally, when they finally quit wrestling, when he finally is let go, God renames Jacob. And in this, I think we see Jacob is finally born again. In his birth, Jacob wrestled within the womb against Israel, uh, against Esau, grabbed his heel on the way out of the womb. And here we see Jacob has wrestled and he comes out with a new name. No longer is he Jacob the deceiver. Now he is Israel, the one who fights with God or, or wrestles with God. He wrestles on behalf of God. He wrestles with God on his side. He's, he, it's different now. He's no longer the man he used to be. He's now Israel. And we should expect to see a change now in Israel. The sun rose up and he passed Penuel, limping because of his hip. 
He calls this place Penuel, the face of God. He says, I have seen God face to face. Moses is one who's spoken of also as being, speak, seeing God face to face. Jacob here. And what does it say here? He called the place Penuel, Peniel, saying, For I have seen God face to face, and yet my life has been delivered. See, Jacob didn't have to worry about his brother. We're going to see in the next chapter. When, Jake, when, when Esau comes out, he welcomes him. He's not there to fight him. Jacob's been all afraid for no reason. All of his worry, all of his fear for his brother is for nothing. He didn't have to be delivered from his brother, but he did have to be delivered from God. The Bible tells us no one can see God and live. And yet, here Jacob wrestled with the angel of the Lord and his life was delivered. He, he was amazed that he did not die as he wrestled with God. There's good news from this passage. Just like Jacob wrestled with God Many of us wrestle. We don't understand our circumstances. And we have been through a tough life. And things aren't the way that we wish they were. And we wrestle and we wrestle and we wrestle. God can be using those circumstances, those very circumstances, to change us. To make us more into His image. He, he might be using those very things to save us, to bring us to the Savior, Jesus Christ. Look to Him. Fear Him. Fear God more than the circumstances around us. Our primary problem is not the temporal things like, what am I going to eat? What am I going to drink? What am I going to wear? as Jesus talked about in the Sermon on the Mount. Our primary problem is our sin. And our sin can only be atoned for by the blood of Jesus that we sang about to begin with. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Thank you for listening to this message from Redeemer Baptist Church of Panama. For more information, please visit us at RedeemerBaptistPanama.com or you can like us on Facebook.